fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. So uh, even if you haven't smiled before, as in today, it's time to smile now. Praise God. And look at your neighbor, just, just sow a seed of a smile. Yeah, just smile at somebody. Even if you haven't met them before, just smile at them. Praise God. Uh, for someone, maybe everyone in your office, they don't smile. When you come to church, you need somebody to, you know, to just help out and lighten up your day by just giving you a smile. Praise God. I said, praise God. All right. Um, I'm just uh, going to try to, you know, just go straight into the teaching of this evening. Well, this is an attempt at round, round, rounding off uh, the series on the spirit-filled life. Series on the spirit-filled life. Has this series been a blessing to you at all? All right. Has it affected anything around you? Has it has it affected you know uh, the way you think and the way you see the things of the spirit and the way you relate with the Holy Spirit? I think that's the heart of it. That's that's what we were actually driving at uh, to give uh, a better perspective uh, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer and as believers in Christ Jesus. Uh, for us to have, you know, a stronger focus on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. And if you have been here uh, the past four or five weeks, um, on Sundays we've shared extensively on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and, you know, what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in the life of a believer, and the fact that he is our helper, the one who helps us in every way, uh, who comforts us. And the last two uh, switch events, um, the last two Wednesdays, Pastor T has been, you know, has, he taught us about the gifts of the Spirit. The fact that the Holy Spirit gives uh, gifts to believers. And he described all the nine gifts of the Spirit as, um, you know, enshrined in the scriptures. And according to um, uh, the many letters of Paul, the apostle, how the Spirit of God works in the life of the believer. And coming up with uh, what you can't use any other word for, but to say it's a gift. Uh, but the endowment, the, the, the manifestation of God's power uh, in different ways through the person who believes in Christ Jesus, who has been saved and born again, who has been born of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is now living through that person. And that same spirit seeks to manifest himself through us. And those manifestations of the spirit are the things that we call the gifts of the spirit. The the things that the spirit uh, um, empowers us to be able to do. Um, This evening, um, I I have many thoughts to share. uh, Being a rounding off message, we're still going to come back to this one way or the other. Uh, perhaps before this year comes to an end. So I have many thoughts to share. And um, it's kind of message that it may be a little difficult to title. And you need to really brace up to just go with me. Are we ready? I said, are we ready? All right. Uh, let's, let's start out from Second Corinthians chapter 13. And I'll read uh, verse number 14. Benediction in Christian gatherings. Second Corinthians chapter 13. And verse number 14. Can I have it on the screen, please, in uh, King James Version? And the, sorry, the New King James. Uh, just, just give me New King James all through, all right? If, if I uh, need any other version, I'll let you know. I'll read it myself. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and verse number 14. 
Uh, I read, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This was Paul rounding off one of his writings, the second epistle of the great apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Now, I need, I need to cast your mind to something, and that's that when we read the scriptures, we need to remind ourselves from time to time uh, that when you are reading epistles, for instance, you need to always remember that the writers of these epistles were writing to address issues and to, to set things in order in the church and by implication in the life of believers. And Paul addressed so many issues in the second you know, epistle to the Corinthians. And in closing, uh, this was his remark. The grace <clears throat> of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. The communion of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, I've been trying to emphasize the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer. And that in itself cannot be overemphasized. And in, in this to remind us about the grace of the Lord Jesus. And when you talk about that grace, time will not permit me to now because that's a whole, that's a series, not just a sermon. That's a series. Because when you, that's what, what we enjoy from, from, from Christ. I was, I, was, um, I was speaking to someone yesterday and quoting from, I think, 1 Timothy uh, 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 chapter 3. And I think from verse 1, which, which says, um, um, we're talking about the, the, the grace, that, that our grace works. And it says something about grace working against hardship. That when we go through hardship, it's the grace that helps us to stand. That's the grace that comes from Jesus. And the Bible talks about the love of God, uh, which you really can't compare to anything. There's the love that comes from parents. We call it parental love. Uh, there's the love, the romantic love, which is based on, you know, mutual attraction or something. Uh, that, 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 that there are all kinds of love. But when it comes to the love that comes from God, it's incomparable. It's, it's, it's stronger than the love from parents to children. Those are the, these are the things that Paul was casting our mind back to. And the last one there, he said, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's the real one that uh, um, I want to start out with tonight. The communion of the Holy Spirit. And the word communion there in the Greek was the same word, you know, translated intercourse. was the same word translated fellowship. Which is means to do business in partnership. That word communion also means partnership. So you can say, oh, the fellowship of the Spirit, the communion of the Spirit, the partnership of the Spirit. To be partners in achieving purpose, sharing joy, sorrow, victory, and trials, and triumph. That's what, that's what partnership means. So the Holy Spirit is the one that stays with us uh, in our trials and temptations. Is the one that stays with us even in our triumph. Because it's in partnership with the believer. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit has a lot to do in your life and my life. 
In fact, I've come to the persuasion that a believer can only maximize destiny when you have the Holy Spirit as a partner. You have a strong fellowship, interconnection, communion with the Holy Spirit, a friendship, a partnership. When you look all through the scriptures, uh, what you realize is that it, it has become very evident that a man, a woman cannot, and I mean it, cannot expressly fulfill destiny without the help of the Holy Spirit. Without that depth of communion. See, people who hear from God will always lead people who don't hear from God. Anything, people who know what to do, we always lead people who don't know what to do. Are you still, are you still here? And how do I know what to do consistently to the end that I can never be stranded in life? The key to it is a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible says, either searches the heart of man, uh, uh, he said, he that searches the heart of God knows what is in the heart of God. He said, no man knows the heart of man except the spirit of man that is in him. He said, in the same manner, no one knows the heart of God except the spirit of God that is in him. We have said that God knows everything. But actually, the custodian of all knowledge is the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he told them, he said, the Holy Spirit, he said, he, he shall be with you till the end, as in forever. And he said, he knows all things. He said, when the Spirit of truth shall come, he shall teach you all things. If he doesn't know all things, Jesus will not say he will teach us all things. So I love to live my life in such a way that I can ask the Holy Spirit about my marriage. I can ask the Holy Spirit about ministry. I can ask the Holy Spirit about business. I can ask the Holy Spirit about my children. I can ask him questions about many things. And I can deliberately follow my heart and follow his leadings. Because he's the one that knows the way through the wilderness. And in life, a lot of the time, we'll pass through the wilderness. When you're passing through your wilderness, you better have the Holy Ghost as a partner. You better have him as one that you have intimate friendship with. Where you are right now, but you, you, may, you may be, you know, doing good. Business is going well. But that's not, that's not, you, and you may be struggling. You're not created to struggle. That's the truth. In the path of struggle, we develop strength and we get better. But we're not supposed to remain there. And the key to not remaining there is a strong communion with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows how to get out of anything and everything. If you're here tonight, you're looking for a job. The Holy Spirit knows where all the jobs are. Are you still with me? Yeah. So stop... All this mood swings and complaints, thinking that God is powerless. The real question you're supposed to ask yourself is, how am I doing with the Holy Spirit? Am I paying attention to him? I cannot have a partner that's supposed to lead me through life, and I refuse to give my partner attention, and then I'm struggling and I'm complaining. In fact, if I can put it better. When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit about your relationship? 
perhaps you are in a relationship, preparing to get married or whatever, or you are, in, you, are, you, are, you are married. When was the last time you actually asked the Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to respond to this man or this woman? What am I supposed to do? Is your relationship with him that intimate? You see, because in life, but the truth is that in life, what separates successful people from losers is kind of the, 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 the truth is that you can only maximize your relationship with the Holy Spirit when you start to ask questions. It's just the same way you are just starting a business. You have someone who is a mentor figure. This afternoon, I was still chatting with my pastor. You know my pastor now, Pastor Samadhi and me, we're still chatting. And I was like, we need to talk. He said, don't worry, this weekend we will talk. And it's because I have questions that I need to ask. Both questions that will enhance my personal life and that will enhance the calling of God on my life. Now, if you have a mental figure and you are refusing to ask questions and they are in the same business that you are, or they work in the same office with you. Now you are an assistant manager. You have a mentor figure who is maybe the general manager or the DMD or the MD. And you have the gift of access. Because not everyone will have the gift of access. But you are refusing to ask questions. You are refusing to check them out. To say how is this working. All you are saying is that I want to struggle I hope you understand what I'm saying. You may not be saying it with your mouth, but that's all that you are actually saying with your life. You are saying, allow me. Let me struggle. That's all you're saying, literally. And that's how sometimes we, we right now, there's no one under the influence of this service, including people watching on the internet, who can say, as my life is now, it's perfect, just like God. Nothing is wrong. There's nothing wrong at all. Everything is. And if truly you cannot say that, then there's always something with which, you know, or something that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be working with you or working on you about. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But when we, when we just be, behave as if you know, things will always sort themselves out. And we just neglect. Because the real issue with believers is our depth of communion with the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. Um, while I was meditating and preparing to preach tonight, the Holy Spirit actually dealt with me, you know. <laughs> that's why I'm, I can be a little hard on you because somebody has been hard on me. Alright? And I know what God does for one, he wants to do for other. And I've told him, use me. Alright? So you, you just listen and keep a good attitude. Alright? <laughs> Praise God. Let's check out um, quickly, very quickly. You know, like I said, I have many things to talk about, but let's quickly check out how uh, two people in the scriptures and how their destinies opened up just because of their debt of relationship 
or communion with the Holy Spirit. I can give you many physical communion with the Holy Spirit and asking questions has impacted my life and has changed things around me. But before I go into that, let's, let's check Acts chapter 8 and then we'll check Acts, Acts of the Apostles uh, chapter 9. Acts of the Apostles chapter 8 and then Acts of the Apostles chapter 9. Tap your neighbor and tell your neighbor for me, take, take it deeper. Or tap somebody else and say, take it deeper. We are supposed to be consistently under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Consistently under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says uh, in uh, uh, verse 18, 19, and 20, do not be drunk with wine wherein there's dissipation, but be filled, or one translation says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like saying, remain under the influence because the infilling of the Holy Spirit has been compared, like I said on Sunday, to the effect of you know, mood and behavior altering substances. That's why you use alcohol. You understand? So, if you say, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, he's saying, stay under the influence because it's when you're under the influence that you can fellowship effectively. You can connect effectively. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You know, there are things that substances will make you do. When they wear away, you can't do them like that again. I hope you understand what I'm saying. When you stay under the influence there are things you'll be able to do consistently, not once in a while. Your faith will no longer be like, permit me to say, like Nepa. Comes and go. You know, electric power supply in Nigeria. You know, they call, they, I don't know what, you know, power holding company. <laughs> yeah. So, they don't release it, they hold it. <laughs> Some of those, they thank God that the names no longer affect them. You know, in the, in the day, days of NEPA, the acronym, when we were in secondary school, and they used to say, it's never expect power, always. It's only once in a while. Never expect power, always. Even though it's National Electric Power Authority or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, so, uh, some people, the way we want to live is like that. Sometimes you are okay. Sometimes you are not. Sometimes you are in faith. Sometimes you are not. You are out of faith. When you maintain a consistent fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you realize that the work, working with God as a consistent believer becomes easier. I am a believer by nature. I'm not a doubter. When I'm beginning to walk in doubt and live anyhow, notice that something is going wrong with my true nature and I need to get back, swing back into it and the only way to get into it is to keep a strong fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen, somebody. I'll say it better, amen, somebody. All right, let, let's, let's check out uh, the life of um, one of the disciples of Christ and the apostle, uh, Philip. Uh, right, in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8. Philip had gone to, and um, great things happened there because he was there in Samaria. Uh, now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem, verse 14 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed 
for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen up upon none of them, and they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. That means they, they had been born again, but they had not received uh, the Holy Spirit. Let me, I, I'm just, I just read that for you to know that they had heard about the things that happened. Those things that they said happened that made them send those disciples were things that God did through Philip because of what he did. But, uh, I mean, because of his obedience to go to Samaria. But in, 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 in verse 26, look at what happened in verse 26. Just to show the depth of, you know, when somebody's walking with God, what can happen in the life of the person. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Verse 27. So he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, Candace the queen of Ethiopians, of Ethiopians who, had, who had charge of all a treasury. Powerful guy who was in control of the money of, of, of the, the queen of Ethiopia. Understand something. Who is the kind of person that angels will just appear to and just give instruction? Is not somebody who has been obeying before. When there was no angel. When it was just a whisper. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's not somebody who has been in consistent you know, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Do you know it's possible for angels to appear and you won't see them? Because your mind is not there. You think it's a statue. I want to create this one. That's what you're saying. Huh? I said this fashion is trying in Lagos State. They made another. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, now they made another statue here. I thought it was at the old throat gate that they had statues, but now they had one here. And the angel is, is looking at you like, how dumb that heart. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. You know, it's, there, there are things that, that can pass you by without you even noticing. Just simply because you are not in constant fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. Now look at what happened here. Uh, this guy got and express instruction, and, and write this down. Instructions that you receive from the Holy Spirit are the things that will open up your destiny. Nothing more. As a believer, it's instructions from the Holy Spirit that opens up people's destiny. And those instructions will come out of the strength of fellowship, or communion, or friendship. The secret things belong to God. The things that are revealed belong to us and our children. That's what the scripture says. That we may know them. Secrets with just anybody in your normal life. When was the last time you were walking on the road and you met somebody at the bus stop? I said, come. You know, this morning, my husband and I, we had bread and egg. And when we finished eating, he started discussing with me about his account balance. And he told me how much he had in this account. He said he had one million naira here. He said he had. And you, is that how you talk to somebody that you have never met before? We share secrets with people who have been in fellowship with us. Am I saying the truth? That we have built confidence and trust in them over a period of time. You want to hear stuff from the Holy Spirit? 
Come out of shallow waters. Get into the deep end. Alright? That's how, that's how it works. Get into the deep end. Get into a place of consistent fellowship with him. Get into a place where the Holy Spirit can know that you can be trusted with instruction and with mysteries. So here, the Holy Spirit gave this guy specific instruction. It says, go down from Jerusalem, you know, I mean, the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza in the desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, this great guy from the queen, who kept the queen's treasury, was there. He came to worship in Jerusalem, verse 28, and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, Philip was not told who was in the chariot. He just obeyed. The central bank governor of America is inside that car. Go there. You will fly now. You know, like a space rocket. But, uh, but the Holy Spirit says, go to that place. You'll still be wondering. This, uh, who is in the car? Why should I go there? So if they carry me away. But this guy went in there and they met this great guy. This central bank governor from Ethiopia. And at that material point in time, this guy was reading Isaiah. And he didn't understand what he was reading. You see, when you walk in with the Holy Spirit, when you walk with the Holy Spirit and you have strong communion, strong relationship with the Holy Spirit, some things will happen to you and you wonder what's really happening. See, when you come to this level of work with the Holy Spirit, like I was saying on Sunday, when you know him in person, and you're taking instruction, you, there's nothing that can make you doubt that God exists. If you meet the strongest atheist on earth, he will say everything he has to say, and all you will have to say is just to smile and say you are dumb. You have not experienced stuff. How come these guys... You know, a lot of the disciples of Christ, the first set of apostles, were killed. In very funny, they, they were mostly, you know, martyrs. Why did you think they just allowed themselves to be killed? Because it was simple. If they would say Christ did not rise from the dead and stop, and the father that arose from the dead, an angel arose and said, go to that place. And he entered there. He saw the man reading Isaiah. The man said, they asked the man, do you understand what you are reading? The man said, how can I understand? He said, somebody explain it to me. He explained it to the man. And all of a sudden, the man gave his life to Christ. And then, there was a stream of water. They stopped the chariot, the car. The guy came down. Philip baptized the guy. And the moment Philip finished baptizing the guy, his spirit took him off. There are certain things you will never experience. Except you are in a depth of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How many people here will wish? I remember when we were in secondary school, we used to call this one Philip's ticket. If you have this now, you don't have to waste money during summer. He just, he just, Holy Ghost, we are going to New York. I know the funny thing, you get there faster than anybody, even if they're in first class, it doesn't matter. You get there in, in, 
in split second. Philip got to where he was going in split, you know, split second. The Ethiopian Enoch just looked around and couldn't find him again, and he was somewhere else. I mean, those, those are realms. Realms. You know, there are some things that you read in the scripture and they look almost like unbelievable. But when you realize that in, in natural life, some people have also worked with the devil enough. Ah, that they lift one leg like this. I mean, now, and you're thinking, Pastor, maybe it's not real. But when you watch it in the Nollywood movie, did you doubt it? Whether it was real or not? No, it's true. I warned you ahead of time. I just came to deal with somebody tonight so that all those unbeliefs will drop off your life in Jesus' name. When you saw that in Nollywood movies, you didn't doubt whether it was real or not. Africans have taught death. Mysteries of darkness. So we understand the supernatural. Right? There are certain things that are easy for us to understand in the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? There's some part of the southwest you, 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 you come from. You won't doubt anything like this. I mean, you can't be a Benima and be doubting this. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Or, or, or can you be from Ijebu and be doubting this? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. I mean, you, you guys under, you understand what I'm talking about. How many Ijebu people are here? God bless you. Ask them whether they doubt. Because it, it depends on who you are working with and who is working with you. So there's negative supernatural, there's positive supernatural. One leads to curses and you know, generational curses. The other one leads to generational blessings and, you know, blissful hereafter. That's just, just the difference. I am come that you may have life, John 10, 10, and have it in abundance, immeasurable. That's the difference. Because the one they're doing that, it will come to an There will be one day they will leave the leg. They can't go anywhere. I often understand what I'm saying. But the one that's from God has no limit. The psalmist assumed, you know, his power. He said, how, how, how great is your power? It, it, it's unlimited. Nothing can stop it. People go from pillar to post today. Uh, they, 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 if they can't get enough in Nigeria, they go to India. Am I saying the truth? Well, you don't have to go anywhere to get power with God. It comes to you right there in your own, you know, prayer closet. In, right there on your bed, right there. In your room. Right there in the place of communion. Psalmist says in Psalm 16, I think verse 11 says, you, you, you show me the path of life. He said in your presence is fullness. Yes, it's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Glory to Jesus. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Let me, let me, um, let me cut this discussion on, on Philip and let's go to Acts chapter 10 and see how ministry opened up to Peter, how Peter's destiny just unfolded 
when you walk with the Holy Spirit to certain depth, things are revealed to you. Instructions are given to open up our destiny. Instructions are given to you just to open up your destiny. Uh, you know, Peter here, this same Peter, when the day of Pentecost was fully coming, Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Ghost came upon him, Peter started to talk. And he was quoting from Joel chapter 2, saying, In the last day, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters uh, will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Have you read that in your Bible before? That was Peter, you know, just talking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But you know, sometimes you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit and you say stuff. When you come to real life, your idiosyncrasies and, you know, limitations, like I said on Sunday, you know, based on background and belief system, they start to set in. And they tend to want to limit the impact of your life and the doors that God wants to open to you. So that same Peter, who in Acts chapter 2 was talking about the, the, the prophecy of Joel and was directly saying, look, we have entered into the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And in this dispensation, this thing is available upon our flesh. We're going to be seeing visions. You know, this dispensation is about pictures, about dreams, whatever you can see. When the Holy Spirit plants them in your heart, it will come out in a physical, in your life. Now, that same Peter, after then, he realized that I'm a Jew. And Jews don't do stuff with Gentiles. Dude, Jews don't do stuff with Gentiles. But when Joel prophesied about that covered his heart and his mind, he, 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 didn't, he didn't know that his ministry was supposed to be transatlantic, as it were. <laughs> Trans-Pacific. It was supposed to be transnational. I mean, a multinational dimension, multiracial dimension. And look at what the Holy Spirit did here. Because when the Holy Spirit starts to, you know, give you instruction based on the depth of relationship and worship and, you know, and fellowship, what happens is that your destiny starts to open up. So, the Bible talks here about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 from verse 1. A, a certain man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of uh, what was called Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always, and you know, and all that. And God just saw the heart of this guy and wanted to save him. He was a Gentile. And the person whose ministry was supposed to affect him, I mean, if you take this out of ministry context, it was like, there's a need in Ebony State, and you are here in Lagos. How can God connect you with that need in a Ebony State, and yet you are here in Lagos, except for the depth of work with the Holy Spirit? There's another business opportunity that's showing up in Liberia or Congo Brazzaville, and yet you are in Lagos, Nigeria, and this is what's supposed to launch your business into an international dimension. Gain access to the deep things of God and the things that God wants to do. That, 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 that looks like what happened here. Because this guy was here, Cornelius, praying to God. And God wanted him to taste 
salvation. And then experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that was Peter there sitting down and saying, look, um, um, my ministry is to Gentiles. Even though he prophesied himself, or he echoed the prophecy of Joel. Uh, he said, my ministry is to Gentiles. When God would deal with Peter to help him to do what we call cost correction, to reshape his mind, to help him to renew his mind, it came out of the depth of his work with the Holy Spirit. In verse 9, look at Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. That's, that's at noon time. Yeah, the sixth hour is 12 noon. Peter went up to pray. Then he became very hungry. And usually you should be hungry at noon if you haven't eaten that day. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, if you're fasting, you gauge it around 12-1. Those are the times you tend to want to see stars a little. Uh, am I saying the truth? All right. So he was very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. But he was in deep communion. Because at noon, he, he took out time to go and pray. 2 p.m. You know, in the morning, you know, and all that. Like five times a day. Meanwhile, some of us don't have any communion at all. Five minutes in the morning, and that's all. If not that the Muslims are praying, you know, you don't know whether their prayer can touch ceiling or break through the first heaven, in, in terms of devotion and communion, they're better than most believers. Because a, a Muslim guy in your office will say, um, I need to quickly go and pray. Maybe he had them do a call for prayer or just look at his watch. And you are there all day. You have not even remembered to say thank you, Jesus. Or whether the Holy Ghost is still alive or not battling with a computer or doing something, and somebody who is a Muslim, in fact, if you have a Muslim in your office, use them to retrain yourself. When they say, I'm going to the mosque, you too, go to the back of the office and go and pray. Go to the locker room or the store. Go to the pantry and go and just, just, just do something. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because they don't get sacked for, for going at those times. Or if we're fasting in church and we say, make sure you spend time uh, you know, with the Holy Spirit as you, you fast. Or, you know. Wednesdays we say workers in this church should fast. And then as you're walking, you know, don't forget, read the scripture, pray a little. By a lot of the time, we fast without fellowship. We fast without rekindling our intimacy with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So, Peter here, while he prayed, the Bible says he fell into a trance. This can only come out of real fellowship. And so, heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet, bound at the four corners, descending to him, and let down to the earth. And it were all kinds 
of four-footed animals of the heart, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the hair. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done, the Bible says, three times, and the object, the object was taken up into the heaven. And verse 17, Now while Peter wondered within himself, what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And to call the long story short, they called Peter and said, some guys were looking for you from some guy called Cornelius and all that. Because of the encounter that Peter had in the presence of God, by the help of the Holy Spirit, it was easy for him to say, Cornelius' house, here we come. But it's that Peter, if not for that encounter, which came out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, his ministry would not have taken a new dimension from that point. Because from this point, Peter's ministry took a new dimension. When they got to the house of Cornelius in, in verse 24, the Bible says, while, you know, Peter in verse 25, but Peter lifted up, uh, lifted himself up, saying, uh, stand up, was telling Cornelius to stand, you know, and all that. And uh, I think by verse 28, 29, uh, when, when, when Peter started to talk, Peter started to talk. The Bible says, while Peter yet speak, King James Version, while he yet speak, the Spirit of God filled the place. See, God wasn't waiting for Peter to be very eloquent or be able to say anything. He just wanted him to, pre- to be present and to open his mouth. And the Spirit of God filled the entire place. While he yet spake, he, was, he had not even said much. The whole people filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, the whole place changed. The power of God was made manifest. But that happened simply because Peter was able to take instruction. And that instruction came because of fellowship. Ladies and gentlemen, the extent to which our destinies will open up depends greatly on the depth of our communion, the fellowship, the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because that's where we take delivery of destiny. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? Sharing with my wife, you know, um, while we were on the way to church today, just reminding myself, uh, for instance, where um, when God started dealing with me about, you know, planting the Elevation Church and, um, you know, where, you know, uh, there are just like any other thing, when God starts to deal with you about ministry, you have the basic questions. What's this about? Is this a church? What kind of ministry will it be? Where will it be planted? You know, and what's the vision, you know, and all that. And one of the things God started dealing with me about was to plant the church on this side of the city. And, you know, spoke to my wife about it, and she was like, pray very well. Just pray very well, you know, and be sure. And, um, you know, my pastor, you know, we're both praying about it. and saying, okay, I'll pray along. 
you know, just be sure. And, and after a while, it felt like I was really sure, but I wasn't sure. And I continued praying. It was a period of time. And then, one day I was studying the, the I, I was praying, and I felt like just studying the word at the same time. And I felt the Holy Spirit would talk to me while I read the Bible. And there I was in the book of Genesis. I was reading. As I was reading, because I felt the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking to me that I'm going to speak to you and confirm something to you as you read. I was, you know, I was paying attention. As I was reading, I got to the place where the garden is toward in Eden. And the Holy Spirit said, stop. And I stopped. He said, you are about to plant something, right? And God planted something here. Where did he plant it? He said, the east toward in Eden. Where's the east side of your city? I googled it immediately. And what I got was this side. It was one of the things that confirmed to me that this is, this is a place to come. You know, I could, I could have um, just treated it anyhow. Because the question you are asking is what determines the answer that you will get. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And you can start your business anywhere without asking. The Holy Spirit will still help you. But if you have asked, you will maximize the, his, his help and his ministry of comfort. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying now. Yeah, you will maximize it. You will maximize it more. And the little things that God has done through the ministry of the Elevation Church, you know, so far, uh, um, people ask me questions, uh, why did you come here? Why did you do this? And you know, it's not, you, there are some things you can't explain. In fact, some people, you tell them, Holy Ghost told me, or God told me, says, you're just spiritualizing it. Uh, didn't you know that? Uh, <laughs> you know, they, 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 some people can just be in the flesh. I hope you understand what I'm saying. In fact, let me tell you something. If as a believer, from time to time, you cannot say, about one, two, or three things once in a while about your life, you do it that way. You're not striving to work with the Holy Ghost. And you see, your mind can only take you so far. I'm, I'm a student of strategy. I love strategy in business school. I still love strategy today. I still do a lot of strategy. But when it comes to certain aspects of life, they don't answer to strategy. The Holy Ghost is the only strategy you need. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You can't use strategy to marry, for instance. You will be destrategized <laughs> after some years of marriage. I'm telling you the truth. If you, if you do it by strategy, <laughs> go and ask people who did it yesterday. Because some people have, you know, strategy for everything. I say, yeah, you, you, ah, you have to marry somebody, you know, is older, has made some money so he can take care of you. You know, the, <laughs> all kinds of strategy. Even for some of us, younger people here, uh, your parents have strategy and they give you their own strategy and it does not really work for them. You know how many people are married, daughter of rich people and the marriage did not last like six months? But their strategy is that, you know, if you marry somebody who maybe, hey, marriage doesn't, it's not, it's not like that. The Holy Ghost is the guide 
of a believer. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's the one who guides a believer. It's the one who leads a believer. Your mighty destiny deepen, deepen your fellowship. Make it deeper. So that you can get a deep brother. When I mean deep, I don't mean deeply spiritual boy. Somebody that's coming from the depth of the heart of God to you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. A sister that is coming from the heart of God to you. The Bible says houses um, and riches are from the fathers. But a good wife is from the Lord. Yeah. So it's God that gives a spouse. The secret things belong to God. The things that have been revealed you know, belong to us and our children. So we can tap into things from the heart of God. Say amen somebody. I'll say it better. Amen, somebody. So when we take instructions from God, destiny starts to open up. Things start to happen. We start to leave that zone of despondency and frustration, not knowing what next to do. And if you're going through anything as I speak right now, I, I just want to encourage you. Get into the depth of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Ask the right questions. Ask the right questions. Maybe a few, uh, um, one or two tips as a round of. Uh, how do you remain in that state of being consistently filled with the Holy Spirit and, uh, uh, you know, that state where you can hear consistently? One of the things that I will say is what's what happened to Peter. Peter was saying, I will not eat anything that is common or unclean. Tap your neighbor, say, never say never. For you to enable in the hand of God, some of us are, are, we are too, how do I put it? We are too strong for God to use or for the Holy Spirit to work with. You know, sometimes you can be very strong in, and set in your ways. It's difficult to keep friends. It's the same thing. That's why Paul said, you, don't, you should not grieve the Holy Spirit. When you ignore, you neglect you talk down on people. You disrespect and dishonor and disregard them and their opinions. What do they do? They walk out of your life. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. When you disregard and dishonor and ignore the instructions of the Holy Spirit consistently, it can walk out of your life. Are you still with me today? Paul said, no, I won't. And the Bible says it happened three times. And after the third time, I'm sure, uh, I mean, Peter, rather, Peter realized that uh, out of the matter of two or three witnesses, let every truth be established. Thank God he, he gave in to the Holy Spirit and not reasoning. Because if he was going to go by reasoning, he was still not go to the house of Cornelius. And while he was still reasoning about it, the emissaries came and he gave in to them and walked and, you know, took a walk with them. Never say never. Tap your neighbor for me and say never say never. You want to really remain in strong communion with the Holy Spirit, you must be a kind of person who will never say never. Flexible. And take God for his presence. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Secondly, keep your hunger 
for his presence. You know what you hunger for is that which, as in what can make you hungry, is what you really feel that you can't do without, that sustains you, like food. Like water, you're, you're thirsty. Or liquid. Because these things really sustain you. Until we take communion to that point. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit to that point. Where we can actually feel it. You know, you don't need uh, um, anybody to tell you you have not eaten. Especially after you have skipped two meals. In a day, you start to feel it. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, you start to feel it. Ah, it's coming. You start to feel it. Am I saying the truth? Like I was describing then, uh, when it's about 1231, you start to feel it. It will fade the way around 3330. Am I saying the truth? And then you continue your work undistracted. When it's getting to about 5, 530, that's come again. This time around in a very dangerous manner. That's the one you, you stand like this and you, you, are, you are gone. Blood sugar is extremely low. You, can't, you almost cannot function. There's a, when you skip prayer and communion, by the time that day is almost over, you feel like you are becoming in the spirit. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like low energy level in the spirit. After you have gone like three days without reading the Bible, do you still feel like that? If you don't feel it again, you need to rededicate your life. I'm serious. Perhaps before you leave this place tonight. Because that's how, that, that, that is, is, is a direct replica in the spirit. The same way, I don't need a prophet to tell me you have not eaten. If you have not eaten, if you have skipped two meals, your body responds. It craves Nourishment. If you are still alive in the spirit, your spirit must also crave connection and nourishment. Are you still with me? One of the ways you gauge whether you are still alive in the spirit or not is when you have not prayed for a few days. If you don't feel anything, just tell yourself, I need to just go to church and rededicate my life. I'm serious. After you have not fed somebody for, do you have, can you keep a baby at home and you refuse to feed that baby for the whole day and the baby is just playing? By night, won't you go to the hospital? Says this baby has not eaten and the baby is just lying down there and but the baby won't take any food. It's, it's an issue. Am I saying the truth? Because the baby is supposed to feel hungry. That's the sign. Don't eat and commune with the Holy Spirit and spend time in his presence. If there's no prayer, no studying or hearing of the word, and it doesn't do anything to you, it's either a sign of lack of life or sickness. Are you still with me? Bless a day. Empowered to prosper, enviable, are they those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
The key to being consistently filled is hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Lastly, keep the right atmosphere around your life. Keep the right atmosphere. There's an atmosphere under which the Holy Spirit can thrive and you know, flow through you and walk in you and walk with you. It's an atmosphere of gratitude, worship, thanksgiving. Enter into his court with praise. And into his gate with thanksgiving in your heart. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Know that he is God and there's none like unto him. If you, you, you can't keep, Ephesians 5, 18 says, uh, you know, be not drunk with wine wherein there's dissipation. But it said, be, be consistently filled. Be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it said, singing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. Sometimes, even not with your mouth, but in your heart to the Lord. So I can be driving and be making melody in my heart. And sometimes you really want to make melody, but one R&B song will come. And because you know the kind of atmosphere you want to keep around yourself, you kill R&B and put a band praise. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you, you really want to create the atmosphere, but you just, in your, in your heart, is uh, uh, killing me softly, you know, or something. It's just flowing. What do you do at that? Killing me. I'm alive in the spirit. Say amen, somebody. Yeah. That's the time to remember. There's a kind of song that can enhance the presence of the Holy Spirit around you. And it's also a check for you to know that your repertoire is not born again. As in the, the recess of your heart needs to be worked on. Because what you listen to consistently becomes, you know, the reserve of your heart. Am I saying the truth today? So you need to replace some of those ones. Because the person who used to listen to them... Is now dead in the spirit. Praise God. So you, 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 you fix an atmosphere around your life. The atmosphere of confessing the word. You know, when you confess the word of God, I'm the head and not the tail. You're going to make a presentation and you're, you're speaking the word. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. I can do all things through Christ that, that strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. You're going to pitch for a contract and your nails are wobbling and, you're, and you're, you don't know what to say. And create an atmosphere around your life. It brings the Holy Ghost closer to you. It makes him to go with you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So you need to keep the right atmosphere. First, confessing the word, flowing, flowing in worship, flowing in thanksgiving. And lastly, keeping the right pictures around you. It's part of the atmosphere. Out of the atmosphere. Out of the atmosphere. I learned that from my pastor. If you enter my pastor's, uh, um, maybe, like study or secret place, you know, you will know all the things that he's believing God for. Yeah. Sometimes you know what I'm believing God for by just seeing some things around me. So that you see a check on the wall or you see one car that's hanging there or you see a picture of a house. 
And recently, the Holy Spirit started dealing with me again about it because my wife knows. If you want to know our secret, you just need to enter our room. You will see everything there. I remember the day when one day we were moving house. So we got people to come into the house. And I just see them, I saw them giggling as we were parking because they were seeing everything I pasted on the wall. And I was telling myself they have seen all my life. But I knew they were inspired. They were inspired. The things that are around you are they things that, ins- that inspire you? Are you looking at your dreams consistently or you are still seeing your past? Because it's only your dreams that can move the Holy Ghost closer. Because he's here to help you to your future. He's supposed to help you to walk you into your future. When the dreams of the things that come in your picture, uh, in your future, are the things that are always around you, great things that God wants to do in your life, there's no way the Holy Spirit will not be con- consistently present. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you open your laptop now, just open, you know, just flip it up. What, what's your screensaver? Is it talking about your past or your future? It's a simple way by which we create divine presence all around us. Glory be to God. Um, like I said, before the year runs out, we'll come back to it. Do you agree? But let's lift your right hand tonight and just talk to Jesus and, and just bless him. And just renew your heart in his presence tonight. That's the most important thing about this gathering tonight. Is that you renew your presence and your love for, for fellowship. Your love for communion. Your love for connection with the Holy Spirit. Renew that tonight and just tell him, Lord, I need you to help me to renew my love for your presence. My love for communion. My love for fellowship. My love for intimacy with you. Help me to renew it. Help me to reset.